TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 485, and I'm Libby, your host. And this week, we have returning guests. Hi, this is Yusen, and I'm a TV enthusiast from Los Angeles, California. This is Tom. I'm professor of communication and media studies at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Weedonopolis. Oh, hey, this is Peter. I write for Why So Blue, and I live in Hollywood. All right. Thanks, guys, for showing up on your holiday weekend. Uh, We are going to do the news. We're going to do a couple of shows, and then we're going to do the best of and worst of 2020 in television. So let's see. You guys can play at home, and you can have your lists ready and see if ours match up with yours. But first up, we're going to talk about the news I have very little news because it's holiday weekend. It just shows that uh, I just have that Cobra Kai has moved its launch date on Netflix, so it will premiere on New Year's Day. I and so it's basically a week early. That's that's all I got. Yeah, yes, we'll exactly. take it. Uh, well, Tom, you have news. Yes, CBS has given uh, an order to the back nine episodes of V Positive. Oh, that's right. But that show's terrible. Oh, my God. Yeah, but Chuck Lorre. That's terrible. Um, HBO has greenlit his dark materials for a third and final season, which makes sense because there's three books and they're going to be done. Uh, HBO Max has picked up a seventh season of Sex and the City without Kim Cattrall, who evidently did not enjoy her time with the other three women. Um, And it isn't official... But Netflix is riding the high of great reviews for Bridgerton, which is Shonda Rhimes' first show for them. And so a season two pickup is imminent, and we're going to talk about the first two episodes today. All righty. And share our fun nicknames for it. (laughs) (laughs) Of which there are many. All right. uh, Let's start off with the shows. First up, we're going to talk about His Dark Materials. And this was episode five, six. Seven? I don't know. Uh, the episode, ones before... I think episode six, because there were only... Seven. It only turned out to be seven episodes long because of COVID. Right. Sadly. So, episode episodes. six. And this episode was so good! Oh, my God. What is her name? Mrs... I can't remember. Mrs. Never... Coulter. Mrs. Coulter. I always think Ruth Wilson. Uh, Miranda so, Coulter. So, Mrs. Coulter is the ultimate, not bad guy, but she's just ultimate like she's just awesome uh because there's this moment where you know they get to the middle transition world i don't know what the world is we're calling that place where i think they i think it's called Sitagaza. oh it's a good thing you know that because I, I i literally they don't i i don't remember them saying it in the show but i read it in a review somewhere and i went oh that's the name okay good yeah and, and uh the what are the ghost things called the specters specters yeah i knew that one so the specters basically kill any adult. It sweeps into them and takes out, peels out their humanity and leaves them as like a shell. And so that's why all the adults have run from the city and there's only kids left. 
And so they get to this, uh, Mrs. Coulter gets there to that world with, man, I don't know anyone's name on this show. The black dude. Um, oh, Boreal. How do you remember this? This is so crazy. Boreal, like, I watched the show and then I, like, I, I know Lyra. Like, that's about all I got. Uh, and Will. But I just love that, like, the fact that he was so interested in her was super creepy before. And, but then when she got so excited that, you know, all her stuff was working and then she scared the specters away and she was super excited. I was like, wait, is she going to kiss him? And I was kind of like, I I still was uncomfortable with that relationship. And I knew she really wasn't that interested in him. She was just kind of happy. And so he got super excited and she has this great moment where she's like, uh, oh, so you think we're equals? And he was like, yes, equal in every way. And as soon as he says that, I was like, I don't think you guys are having the same conversation. Because I knew that she basically knew that she was smarter than everyone. in the. She's always the smartest person in the room. And so when he's like, oh, yes, we're equals. And I was like, oh, she's like, oh, that's cute. You know, and that's pro- that was proven correct. Because five seconds later, he starts choking off poison that she put in his wine and she's like, yes, of course we're equals. Yeah, I don't need you. Go away. So, Allison, what were your thoughts? I, I was thinking the same thing. I, I absolutely loved that scene because, you know, I mean, on the one hand, yes, she's terrible. And, and I think, you know, it's more like she's the result of a lot of trauma that's happened in her life. And it's it's hardened her and, and put her in a position where, I mean, the reason that the Spectres could not touch her and that she could actually end up controlling them is because she said she could suppress the human part of herself. Right. And she's had a lifetime of doing that because of like abuse that she's taken uh, throughout her life. But it's turned her into a very cold and, and very, you know, kind of scary person. Um, so she's she's someone not to be crossed. And I knew that she was just using Boreal to get what she wanted. But the, that whole scene where the two of them are sitting there at, at the in the cafe, you know, with the wine, and he's he's being so arrogant and so misogynistic, and you know, oh yes, I just want to know that you, you I think of you as my equal, and she's oh that's adorable, <laughs> um, and he doesn't get it until of course he's he gets dying. it in the worst yeah. possible way. Yeah. And and that was just that was just a brilliant brilliant scene. On the one hand, I was actually he does play a great villain. So he is good. Of, I like him. I was and kind so of was, sorry to yeah. see him go. Yeah, I didn't I think he'd leave that quickly. I figured he'd at least be around, you know, for the next season. So that that kind of surprised me. But but on the other hand, uh, it was marvelous to see the way she got rid of him. Yeah. And uh, I I loved that, and I loved everything else in the in this in the the episode too, especially the the relationship that. Uh, forms if briefly between uh oh god and now i can't remember her character but the the professor the teacher yeah to the two girls from the child gang and uh i was really expecting when one of them asked to hug her that she was gonna stab her to death yeah i thought about that too yeah they've they've portrayed these kids as being so feral so almost lord of the flies like that i thought I, i i was like going no don't do it it's a trap at the at the screen but they always but but i have to say one thing is they did talk about how much the kids missed the parents and how upset they were that all the adults left 
So they it kind of makes sense that they just are missing. They're like, we'll do what you want. Anything you ask us to do, we'll behave. You know, and well, I was it, just it like, did, oh. ultimately, but I, you know, they, they led it up to the point where you really, there was a genuine fear, you know, like, yeah. what are they going to do? So when she, it turned out that it, it actually was, all she wanted was, was a hug and some reassurance from a mother figure. It was actually really kind of heartbreaking and sweet. So yeah. I, I, I loved seeing that too. Yeah. Uh, I, it's weird because Lyra and Will actually didn't have that much to do this week. Um, no, they wandered around with the witches. Yeah, through some woods, and and then Will was his his fingers got infected, and they had to do a healing spell. That's pretty much it. Um, yeah. And then we had the Lin Manuel. What is his character's name? Uh, Lee Scoresby. Uh, yeah, so he's flying around in his air balloon, and then I think they crash. I think that's the end of the episode. Is they crash land? Yeah. Well, they're 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 fired on by the um, by the authority ships, right? So yeah. Uh, so that's that's where they leave us, and so now we have one more episode till as the finale. Yep. So thumbs up for me. I I really like where the show's going. I think it's been a phenomenal second season. Next up, we're going to talk about Bridgerton, and you guys can talk about how many names you got for the show. Go. Give me some names. Well, I want to start. I want to start so that so that. Tom can stay modest because I vote his uh, the best. Um, I, I'm, an, I'm, I'm, um, what is it? But, buttock, bedposts and buttocks. Um, I, uh, I'm gonna have to steal it. I'm gonna change it because mine, I just, mine was just sex and sex, well, sex and sexuality, uh, in a, with a nod, with a nod to Jane Austen. Um, I just, I want to say that this. That was the real Jane Austen parody you posted on our thread. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I want to start only because um, uh, I my memory is so bad, and 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 part of the reason is because um, I sunrise it. My, it was a sunrise show for me. I stayed up directly <laughs> until the sun came up. Um, however, I really want to say this, uh, and I, I I feel like I, I no spoilers, zero 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 spoilers. But um, part of the reason I wanted to go first is because I watched the entire series, so I I do really really forget like what happened in which episode. So but so I will start with generalities because uh, this is the first time we're doing the show. I'm a, even though I sunrised it, that's gonna that's gonna people are gonna assume that I loved the show. That is why I must uh, have sunrised it. So <clears throat> this is what I'll say: first two episodes. I actually did not like the show at first. I was, it took me a while to get into it. Um, I know everyone's been raving about the costumes and uh, we'll get to that if we're just, if I'm on the shows as we discuss the shows going forward. But I need to say this. And I know that you guys always think, oh, she's a costume designer. She focuses on the the costumes. But I don't know what came first, the chicken or the eggs. Maybe I became a costume designer because, you know, I noticed the costumes all the time and they were important to me. So I have to say this because it's something that everyone's talking about. I did not not like the costumes and I know it's um historical fiction and I know clearly the colors they used um it reminded me a bit of Emma the movie uh because the colors weren't really realistic to the period I mean some were but I I felt like they were oversaturated I felt like it was um done for drama and that's okay 
Um, but like, I didn't think that they were expensive. The materials they used, they used a lot of artificial flowers, very noticeable. Um, even things like modern buttons uh, that you, you can tell when something is obviously professionally sewn with a regular um, sewing machine. Like, and the 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 um, hems and I mean, just everything was a little too much. Um, however, I will say this, and, and I'll let other people talk about the actual episode. Um, I thought the casting of the leads was excellent. Uh, this show is absolutely based on the chemistry. That you need good casting. Uh, there, the the main guy Lee, don't know his name, doesn't even matter because he's just an object to me. Because he's he's really, I'm kidding. He um, really good looking. Uh, are you talking I about he, your oldest brother, or are you talking about the black dude? Oh, it's that's nice that you said that. Yeah, because you know what? Let me restate that. All the guys are, are hot in their own way. So the casting I thought was great. It's a very pretty cast. Yes, yeah. it's a very pretty. I thought the lead guy, I forgot his name, uh, gave me a little, this is, and I'll move on and I'll stop talking. I, uh, I thought, these are all the reasons I didn't like it, but I really want to say this to people. Um, hang up, if you didn't like it, a lot of people liked it, they don't need to hear this. Uh, but if you didn't like it, and I and I definitely heard some people, it gets better. It's just, it's more compelling. You stop caring about the mistakes. You care, you stop caring about the things that bother you. At least it did for me. Um, the lead guy gave me a little too much Mr. Darcy. I think he came on too strong. I don't know if it's the script. I don't know if it, that was how he was directed. Um, but as the series goes on, he really does become more likable. So I will finish by saying this. I did not like the visuals at first, I, but I started to stop caring. And um, I thought the acting was a little either wooden or overdone for me. But um, uh, as the series goes on, I, I, I did really enjoy it. And more than anything, it's very bingeable, so, which is why I stayed up till six in the morning watching it. So it's a fun <laughs> ride. It's Somebody very bingeable. It's, episode. Uh, right? it's, it's very bingeable. It's very bingeable. I started very. watching it first and... and um, I, I, I'm, I'm not as far along as you are, and I know we're only talking about the first two episodes, so I'll confine anything I have to say about that. But I, I thought it was beautiful to look at. I thought the CGI that they did with, you know, trying to recreate the, uh, the, the London of, of 1817, I think it's supposed to be, um, was beautifully done. I think most of the costumes are beautiful, with the exception of Polly Walker and his, and her daughters, all of which look like from Mars. I mean, I don't know what they were thinking of. It's it's they're horrible. The 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 fabric is terrible. The cut of the costumes are horrible. Because you know, other than that, I thought it was fun, and I'm not expecting it to be like Little Dorrit, where they actually hand do all the costumes. It's it, that that's I'm not looking for it for that. The the in terms of the storyline, it's just pure bodice ripper fun with like a little dollop of Jane Austen on top for color. And, and the, it's, it's just incredibly fun to watch. And, uh, you know, the characters are, are all funny and fun and interesting. The, the lead is perfectly cast. Um, I would say maybe the, the lead female is a little more bland than I would like, but I think she improves as, as the, uh, the season goes on and she becomes more personable and more likable. And yeah, and and I I just I was you know hooked. I I started watching it and I just kept wa wanting to watch more. I thought they they captured the feel of what they were doing, which was not you know a, a historically accurate depiction of of that period, but a fantasy bodice ripper depiction of of you know 
that thing. And I think it is actually based on a series of novels. Yeah. And that's that's really what they were trying to capture more than anything else. And I thought that they did it with really good spirit and and a lot of fun. And I really appreciated, too, the colorblind casting. Because it's something, you know, I, I had just seen uh, David Copperfield, the new David Copperfield, which is, is cast the same way. So you, you don't, you're not supposed to pay any attention. Everyone is cast just because they're the perfect person for the role. And what their ethnicity is doesn't play into it. And I really, I, I really appreciated that. Because it's like, yes, I'm seeing the person who is just best for that role. And it really doesn't matter what, you know, what race they happen to be. Okay, so... Um... Uh, what one of the nicknames Houston came up for it was Pride and Penises, <laughs> but I think that uh, I think that bedpost and buttocks is a little bit more descriptive what you actually see. Uh, one thing that's kind of interesting, picking up on what Allison said about colorblind casting, historically there are suspicions slash evidence that Queen Charlotte did have Moorish ancestry. Hmm. So that's. I found that fascinating. I was Googling something else for the show and that came up. Um, huh. Plot-wise, the Bridgerton, it's a family of four brothers and four sisters. The father is dead, so the eldest brother, who's a rake, uh, has to marry off his oldest, the oldest sister before the other sisters can get married. And so there's interesting tension between him and the mom and the sister about that. And I love the scene, I think, in, in episode one where the mom puts her foot down and calls out the, the the son and says, "Look, if you're gonna, you know, are you the man of the house? Or are you just the oldest of the four boys?" But um, the duke, who the sister makes an agreement at the end of the pilot that they're gonna pretend to be in love, so she can ward off suitors. No, of course, obviously there is. Well, he's he's tension. warding off suitors. She wants to attract them. She wants to attract them. He wants to get the moms off his back. But yeah. the thing is, you can tell that they're going to fall in love because it's the, you know, very pride and prejudice -y. I mean, it's kind of like a bunch of tropes that are good tropes put together, including Gossip Girl with Julie Andrews as the Gossip Girl. <laughs> How awesome is that? All so, right. Um, it's, I highly recommend it. It's fun. Beautiful people, beautiful scenery. And for those of us who don't know much about costumes, they look fine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was like, nobody else is going to notice any of the things you guys are talking about. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery. And uh, this was kind of a part one. of Definitely. Yeah, because it ends on a cliffhanger. So I'm going to say it's part one. And the premise is that Saru has to, well, he doesn't have to, but he wants to go on an away mission to find another Kelpian. He hasn't seen any since he's come to the future. And it's affecting his judgment, like 100%. And he's trying to... He keeps telling himself he's being objective, but he's obviously not being objective. But of course, the big surprise or fun of this episode is when they beam down and it's him and the Doctor and Michael and they get to the planet and it's not what they were expecting. They were supposed to be beaming down into a ship and then it's like some weird uh, Christmas uh, Disneyland sort of deal. And they're all different races. And Saru is now a human. So Doug Jones gets to do his character without any makeup on. And he said how hard that was to do because the heels, those hoof things, help him with his posture and how he walks. And now he doesn't have them. And he's like, well, how do I walk now? Is it this or that? And how do I do the mannerisms? I don't have the fingers. Blah. 
So he said it was like super crazy for him to figure out. And it was awesome to watch because it was really engaging because I am not used to seeing his face. No one is. Exactly. So he's, he said that he's only been himself with his own face in like little indie films, all the big stuff he ever does. He's covered in pounds of makeup. So it was, it was still strange anyway. Okay. Your guys thoughts go forth. What did you think of the episode? The, the premise of the three of them beaming over because this they find out that this this Kelpian was the child that right. the uh, the mother they assume died of radiation sickness. She it wasn't radiation sickness. The marks on her forehead meant she was pregnant, and so he's grown up basically in a holodeck. Right. And when they beam in, he thinks that they're part of the programs. And there's a really cool sequence where Michael pretends to be part of the program. Oh, that was really good. I like that. <laughs> That was great. Um, meanwhile, back on Discovery, um, Tilly is in charge, and the Emerald Chain uh, commander is hot after getting the ship, which uh, furnishes our cliffhanger. But I was a little disappointed when they revealed the cause of the burn. I'm just like, oh, come on. C- couldn't you have done a little bit better than that? I mean, basically, you know. the kid had a temper tantrum. Really? Yeah, the kid had a temper tantrum and blew up the universe. Yeah. yeah, because the planet... They still haven't explained to us how that works. I mean, presumably that planet's been there for a really long time, and, and yet somehow the presence of, of you know, some right, some yeah. young Kelpian is able to, to make it blow up all the Dalithrium in the universe, and I, I none of it made sense. It was, I mean, you, you have to sort of put it aside and, and just, you know, stick it on a little shelf and forget about it. And in order to enjoy the rest of the episode, which which is enjoyable, it's good. It yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, uh, you son, go ahead. Go they, ahead, you son. They did give a little lip service to it. I have to agree. I was underwhelmed, but because the episode was strong, it was incredibly fun to see Doug Jones. Uh, I, he definitely is able to emote through all the the, the makeup and the cost. You know, the um, FX in in everything that I've seen him in. That's kind of why he gets tapped all the time. Also, his physical, you know, uh, attributes. Um, but he's an excellent actor. I thought that um, he, you know, kind of stayed with that energy he has of the Kelpian, and yet he was also human for us, not just visually, but I don't know. I really thought he did a great job. It was more than a stunt for me. I'm not saying you guys thought it was a stunt. Um, I agree about Michael being the the uh, hologram or whatever. Um, I didn't mind... Like I said, I'll just end on this. I didn't mind. I, I mean, yes, I did mind that it was underwhelming. But the show does what it always does, which is they kind of make sure to mention um, that he absorbed that dilithium because of being on the planet for so long. And so he's somehow intrinsically somehow the combination of him growing up so isolated in the holodeck and his the biology of him absorbing the dilithium you know it wasn't a great explanation but i give them a hat tip for at least trying um so yeah i am excited about the show as i always am um and you know was this the strongest episode only because of the the reveal of the burn i mean it's the whole point of this whole season a series season so, yeah, that was a little bit disappointing. But other than that, I thought it was a really strong episode. Yeah, agreed. All right. Uh, that's, we're going to give that a thumbs up. And now we're going to move to the best and worst television of 2020. And actually, Peter hasn't spoken yet. So first up, we're going to talk about 
the best new show of 2020, and you are allowed an honorable mention. Go for it. Uh, yeah, so my best show was Queen's Gambit, which I considered, uh, I mean, it's definitely new, and it's definitely a season of television. My only thing about including it was weird, because that we know of, it's only a one-season show, right? Like, Correct. it's not coming back. Right. Um, but that show pretty much had everything that I, like, love in, in, in those kind of shows. You know, I, I am a sucker for a good kind of competitive sports drama vibe like even though i'm not an athletic sports person myself and it's not like chess is necessarily a physical like thing um but that sense of competition is something that i really adore i also am a big sucker for the whole genius kid like type angle yeah. i also liked um to uh Yusin's point and i think she's brought it a million times i really love the costumes i love the costumes i love the art direction um i feel like I feel like Mad Men somewhat started a a really great sense of like capturing the late fifties and and I guess sixties and I feel like shows like um uh what's the one Gilmore Girls uh the stand up comedian oh uh Maisel yeah Mrs Maisel I feel like the marvelous Mrs Maisel kept that going and now i see that in queen's gambit um even though queen's gambit is uh is it like 67 yeah it's the 60s like, it's, it's, yeah. it's a span uh, of about well it starts off she's a little girl but the main but events have, happened in the six, late 60s but they all happen to use like their art direction and costumes in a way to show how um you know uh stifling a certain kind of world can be especially for a creative mind um so i really loved it and i thought Anna, anya taylor joy was uh great uh in it and she's been really good in a lot of stuff uh lately you know and she's gonna be the new furiosa in the mad max prequel and i love Charlize theron so my first my first thing was wait what why would they do that i want to see Charlize theron i still would like to see Charlize theron but if we are going to get a prequel i'm glad it's this actress because i do think she's she's very good so and then my honorable mention would be a show that is coming back um, is Ted Lasso, which I love. I mean, to be honest, I love both of those shows and they're so different. Um, what I loved about Ted Lasso was I love seeing a character that's so optimistic about the world, uh, even though everyone else is, you know, can be pretty terrible. But the show is never like super dark or depressing or anything like that. And uh, Jason Sudakis just knocks it out of the park. I mean, like, I keep thinking of him doing the Carlton in the early, uh, <laughs> the, you know, that was the, the video. Pilot. Yeah, yeah. Because was he like a college basketball? He was coach? high school. Yeah, high school. Okay, but so. Um, yeah, so I would say those are my two. I I love them both, and I feel that I I can see myself returning to both of them, uh, like in rewatching them. So uh, that's my picks. All right, I'm gonna go with Allison. What is your best new show? Uh, this was, you know, we, we we spoke about this before, but this was such a hard list for me to make. Uh, there were there were a lot of things that were so, you know, there was such competition, and um, I have to say that my my number one uh, it probably is going to be Ted Lasso because oh, it was just such a feel good, wonderful, fun, sweet, lovely show. And, and it came at a time when we just psychologically needed exactly that. It was like a panacea. It's with everything that was going terrible. It was, it was so wonderful to watch a show where people were good 
and where their intentions, you know, were good. And the lead, the lead character was a genuinely honorable and, and kind and good person. And, and the whole feel of the show was just so positive. So, uh, you know, that it just, it just completely won my heart. And I was thrilled to death to, to know that it was getting renewed because, you know, more Ted Lasso is, is, is just good Ted Lasso. So, uh, but it, it, you know, there, like I said, there was a lot of competition and it just kind of edged out a very different show. Uh, my, uh, my second choice would have been the great. Oh, nice. About Catherine the great, which was just an amazing show on so many levels. It was, it was really unexpected. I, I don't know what I was expecting from it, you know, whether it was going to be like just a, a stodgy standard historical drama. And instead it's this kind of freewheeling fun, uh, version of, of, uh, Catherine the Great's introduction to the court of Russia and, um, her, her gradual rise to, to becoming Tsarina. So she, uh, and a ruling Tsarina, um, specifically, but I, it, it also, it gets into dark places too, which I wasn't, you know, expecting. It's not like it, Oh, it's just, it's just light and frothy. Like, um, I, I think the, the Gwyneth Paltrow, Marie Antoinette movie, which just was just, you know, pastry on film. But, uh, this, this actually gets into some really dark places too and acknowledges that, you know, this, this was not a fun time and there were some very crazy people around and all the characters are brilliantly conceived. They're they're brilliantly cast. Um, there's a lot of things that happen that that just are unexpected and wonderful. And um, it, it was fortunately re- renewed for a season two, which I, I can't wait for because it ended in a very bad place. So I really need some more. Um, but yeah, it was it was truly truly one of the the delights of of 2020 and that was the. Few delights that 2020 provided us. You know, those those were two of mine. All right, uh, Tom, you go. So instead of doing um, uh, my favorite new show and then a runner-up, I did a best new comedy and best new drama. Uh, I'll start with the comedy because it's been mentioned many times, Ted Lasso. Oh, come on! <laughs> I take credit for, for getting the rest of you to that watch That is it. true. That was you yes, did. Yes, you did that bring that alarm. I will give you that. After Apple did next to no publicity for this show, but it caught on by word of mouth. But like Allison already said, man, we needed that in the middle of this Corona crisis. Just Jason Tudegas character is just without guile. He's just a really nice guy. And the supporting cast is amazing. And Anthony Stewart head from Buffy is the ex-husband from hell. He plays such an awful person, but we know he's a sweet guy in real life, but he's a great actor because you hate him. <laughs> but, uh, Hannah Waddington as the team owner and uh, just all of the supporting cast. A lot of the, a lot of the actors are also writers in the show. Sad news. I, I heard an interview with uh, Sudeikis the season three it got picked up for is intended to be its last. So, boo. But, but it does make me happy. Good. It does make me happy to know that they have a plan. So they don't, you know, they, they want to tell the story and leave on their own terms. Uh, for my best drama, I had to go with Lovecraft Country. And it's such, it's, it's genre bending. I mean, they started using that in their in their promotional 
campaign, but it's true because the first half dozen or so episodes are basically homages to different sci-fi or horror genres. But man, it's cr- it's crazy. It defies description, but it's also mesmerizing. It didn't always work, but when it did, it was like, wow. It just it blew my socks off. Uh, they haven't officially picked it up for a second season because they're trying to figure out what that would look like. But if they do a second season, it's going to be a completely different storyline. And they may or may not use some of the same actors. But yeah, it's just... And Jonathan Majors has a great career ahead of him. He's been in other stuff, most notably uh, The Five Bloods, so, uh, Spike Lee's joint for Netflix. And, um, oh, why can't I think of her name? She played... Um, She's an underground. Yeah. Smollett? yeah. Smollett? Yeah, journey. She she's amazing, and there there's buzz. There, the fanboy community would like her to have a Black Canary spinoff on HBO Max. Who knows if we'll get that or not? But man, she was number one on the call sheet, and she was terrific. All right, uh, Yusun, your your picks. Oh my God, this is going to be hilarious. Here's I. I Here's what I will say, because you don't want to hear me parroting both of you guys. Um, So I will talk more in generalities because it'll just be boring for the listeners. Um, First of all, ditto, 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 ditto. So what were your picks? I know. Well, I'm about to, I'm telling you. Um, the first one, this is how I tried to figure out my list because like Allison said, there were so many. And so I literally thought to myself, okay, if I was meeting someone on a bus or a train and I had to tell them, given TV suggestions before the next station, I was like, what do you tell somebody to watch? If there's a, you know, you're just like, what, you know, this is what you need to watch. Ted Lasso, man, Ted Lasso. And uh, this is what I will say. Over the course of the show, uh, this show, the podcast, we have proven that we we definitely have different tastes. Of course, we overlap, but, you know, we definitely have different tastes. So for me, it is so telling that all of us are just like, Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso. So I have to believe in part it is because of, of the, the the show energy and the happiness and, and our times. I, do, I, I don't think that that can be lost. Um, so I will just say a few things that I don't think were mentioned. Um, I am so uh, impressed with Jason Sudeikis' uh, uh, drama. Yes, it was comedy, but the stuff that he was doing that was more dramatic and more heartfelt and more sense, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, that would fall into the drama category, I thought he knocked it out of the park. And I think that's really important because his character could have been uh, too saccharine and could have been too uh, caricature-ish but he gave it the emotional weight that it needed for the show to rise above just funny. So for me, I think his his uh, acting was so pivotal. Uh, everything else everybody else said about the show, um, uh, and, and really, shout out to the writing. We talked about how the supporting cast was amazing, but I think the writing of this for the supporting cast uh, really allowed really good actors to do really good acting. So I think that's important. Uh, the other, my honorable mention again, and I'll keep this kind of short. I, you know, this is why I'm always surprised when Allison and I don't agree because the great it w- it really was. A, a toss-up, and again, I'll focus on things that nobody or she didn't say, uh, because, and I know you guys are going to roll your eyes, but it it needs to be mentioned because 
it, it, it really will help me with my other argument, which is the costumes were not period accurate. They were a bit rock and roll. They were kind you know what I mean? But it worked for me. It, it was really a strong choice. I felt like it was, you know, it was something that they did and it became part of the show. It was a character. It was so well thought out, so well done, uh, you know, and, and for me, I get what Allison was saying about, uh, you know, Bridgerton, but the great did it better. You know what I mean? It didn't need to be period accurate. So that also, I'm mentioning it because it, it really became a character of the show for me, how uh, inventive and how uh, creative uh, for me. And it, it really kind of, you know, uh, helped me there. Uh, everyone has mentioned my shows. I wrote mine down before we started. And then, and so then I'm like groaning because everybody starts mentioning the shows I've already written down. So I was like, should I change them? Like, I wrote down that everything. Cheating. That's, that's cheating way. if I change them? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, well then I will read what I have, but I'm not giving any description just because I feel at this point it's very redundant. Um, for my best show, number one, I put, say it together, people, Ted, Ted Lasso. Lasso. I put Ted Lasso as number one, and then I don't even feel like I needed to say anything now. And then for my honorable mention, I put Lovecraft Country. Woo! So I'm just like, come on, people. We do not share the same brain. What is going on? Yeah, but cream, cream rises, Libya. Yeah. <laughs> Lovecraft, you know, I I had a list of like about, I I, I guess about seven shows for for my best and Lovecraft Country, you know, best new and and Lovecraft Country was one of those too. So, yeah, yeah. it was there. All right. Well, I'm going to start. I'm going to start the worst list since I went last this time. (laughs) I'm going to reverse this so I don't seem like I'm parroting everyone. So we're going to put the worst new show. Um... I think it's worst a new show. New or just... I thought it was worst overall. It was worst, worst overall. overall, but I guess I figured if you're already watching a show, how can it be worse? But that, I guess it is possible. Uh, so I'm I mean, just there, gonna... there are shows that can start out really well, and then their second season can be. That is abs- that, that is actually that? true. That is true. true. Yeah. So Thanks. for I'm going to start off with worst, and I picked. I hope nobody else has this on this, their list. I picked uh, The Walking Dead: The World Beyond because. <laughs> That show, like, there I, there was another show that I'm sure you guys are going to mention that made me angry while I watched. This show just made me bored. So <laughs> I feel like, and I watched over half the season waiting for it to get better, and it didn't. And so I kind of just stopped watching it out of boredom more than, oh, my God, this is the worst. Like, this is just, I hate it. It wasn't like I had anger. I mean, I actually had really high hopes that it was going to be a nice coming of age kind of story. And I was, I was looking for that. And then they went through all of this, oh, the kids learn how to fight walkers in this classroom. And so we make sure they know how to take care of themselves. And then when you send the kids out there, what happens? They run away from one walker. And I was like, what is happening? Why are they so incompetent? Little Judith Grimes could kill way more walkers than these uh, almost adult teenagers. And they were so frustrating. And then their flashbacks were not that great. And then, and actually, I'm going to say the acting was not that great. So there was just a lot of negatives for this show 
that convinced me that no matter what they did, they really can't get out of this hole that they were in. I, I didn't feel like there's any way for, I mean, did anybody watch just out of curiosity? Did anybody watch to the end of the season out of this? Group? No, couldn't make it. It did not make my worst list in any way because I didn't care enough about it. There you go. That's true. I could see that. Uh, All right. Well, I'll move on. Let's do reverse order. So it would be Yusin. What is your worst? Um, This actually was also incredibly hard for me. Not because... Because with the, so many shows out there this year, we 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 have ha, you know we have to mention that um, I did not do my normal give it six or give it two because I just was like I don't have time for this. So if you there were so many shows. Well, I, I the, the the criteria is you have to have watched at least three or four. This is okay. why I'm saying you're making my point. This, this the list was so hard because I didn't watch a crappy show two or three episodes. I mean, every time I was like, oh, this was terrible. I was like, no, nope, not really fair. I didn't watch, you know, three or four episodes. So you're making my point. So the list was really sparse. Um, but I think this is a strong choice. And interestingly enough, uh, it made a lot of uh, people's worst list, uh, you know, a lot of the critics and stuff. So for me, it was Avenue 5. Um, and, uh, I think it was strong, uh, you know, on the list as, as, you know, for me, it's a compelling choice for me because the, my expectation was so high, the pedigree of the, I think the, the actors involved, the, I think wasn't the showrunner, the guy who did Veep. So, you know, yeah. and I loved Veep, you know, and it was so acerbic, acerbic and biting and smart. Um, so for me, Avenue five, a sci-fi show already gets extra points. So I didn't like it because even more so because I was really hoping that I could get a good sci-fi comedy. That is not common. You know what I mean? There's a there's a decent amount of excellent uh, sci-fi dramas out there. But to get a sci-fi comedy would have been a super bonus. So for me, the show was uh, most disappointing, I think, not only because it was garbage. But because my expectations were so high and they failed on every level, even the good actors seemed like they were. I was going to say, yeah, Hugh Laurie was in there too. Yeah, Yeah. it was terrible. Totally wasted. it, 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 it failed on every level. The writing, the the acting, the whatever you wanted, the costumes. I'm not, I won't talk about them. Just awful. The show was, and I did make it to three because I wanted so desperately to like the show and for it to get better. But it did not. It was insufferable. All right. I think one of my favorite reviews of it was In Space No One Can Hear You Laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. All right, Tom. Tom. Tom, your show. Well, speaking of an alien parody, I'm going to choose Ridley Scott's catastrophe on uh, on HBO Max, Raised by Wolves. This show is so bad. I got seven episodes in. I think there were eight. I couldn't bring myself to watch the finale because I'm like, I just didn't care. And it was so incompetently run, organized. The cast... I mean, the cast is decent, but the lack of coherent storylines or compelling dialogue squanders them. And you've got the dude who played uh, Ragnar Lothbrook yep. on on Vikings. Is it Travis Fimmel or yeah, Travis Fimmel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasted, wasted. Yeah. Oh, but he's got a cool scar. Yeah, who cares? Um, but yeah, it was just this. 
It's like somebody set the most boring thing possible in a world kind of like Aliens and just didn't do anything with it. It, it defies description. It didn't know what it wanted to be. It's like, oh, it's like a little kingdom of heaven and a little bit of Alien and a little bit of Prometheus. and a, It's a whole lot of nothing. All right. <laughs> Allison, I see you nodding along. Is, is that your same one? Well, you know, I'm going to cheat here because I, I absolutely agree with everything that, that Tom said and, and more. Um, and, and I did suffer through the very last episode. And I want to tell you just, you know, if you haven't done that, uh, just don't even bother. Because if you weren't angry enough at the show, the, the, the finale is going gonna, is gonna to just blow you away by the sheer stupidity of it. However... Having said that, I think I want to give some time to another show that I thought was was pretty close in horribleness and, <laughs> and was promoted promoted just like crazy as, as being so great. And they poured a lot of money into it. And that was Away. And I hate watched pretty much every single episode. I don't know how in the world or why I stayed with it to the end. I kept hoping it would turn around and get better and justify the cast that they had and the money that was spent. And, and some people were raving about it, but it was just this collection of horrible space and soap opera cliches thrown together, you know, in this, in this spaceship that's supposed to be going from, from earth to Mars. And, you know, as the first colony ship to do this and I hated all the characters. The <laughs> acting was appalling. The script was relentlessly stupid. Nothing made any sense. Things would happen, you know, from episode to episode. And and you'd think that, okay, well, the characters are going to develop now and grow and things are going to change. And then by the next episode, we're just back to square one and they just keep repeating the same stupid mistakes and having the same arguments and, and fights with each other. So it's just... Yeah, I, I, my, I guess it's such a really close call because I really agree with Tom. But my my number one choice is going to be away. All right, Peter, your choice for worst television of twenty twenty. Oh, mine is uh, mine is. I always think this is the hardest. It's the hardest one to do, not because there aren't a lot of bad television shows, but because. If it's really bad, I, I probably won't even make it through the pilot. Um, so by default, I would go with uh, Olivia's, um, is it World Beyond? Is that the title? Walking Dead World Beyond. Even that name is lame. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I guess the only thing I would add to Libya's thing on World Beyond is that um, there have been, you know, great, there have been great books and great games that have dealt with having someone who is young in a post-apocalyptic world because the hook is usually that in Emily St. John Station 11 and in The Last of Us, the hook is usually that you have an adult who lived through the world, who knows what the world used to be like. And then you have a teenager who's never seen that world, who can't imagine planes flying and, and internet and everything. So it's weird that World Beyond deliberately goes away from that and is like, well, how about they are just normal teenagers because this is basically a um, a closed off section of society where everything is okay. I'm like, well, that's the most boring thing ever. Like, why, why, why would I want that for a show 
And then it leads to the problems that Libya said, you know, because now they don't know how to handle zombies. And yeah, it's just a very, I just, I don't really, I think that it was a show, I think the premise is misguided. I am assuming the idea was we want, AMC basically wanted a CW type thing. And all of that, a CW show is reliant upon how charming and attractive your actors are. I mean, that's just what it is. And I guess I felt like, I'm sure, yeah, the actors are attractive, I guess, but I really didn't find the, I thought the cast was very bland. However, I will say to Allison's point, I do not think that World Beyond is by any means the worst show I've ever seen. I thought Raised by Wolves was worse, but I only saw one pilot, though I can't really count Raised by Wolves. Um, and I never saw, never saw Away, even though I like Hilary Swank. So that's my pick. All right. Let's move on to the next category. We're going to mix this up in the order. Uh, let's start off with Yusin. We're going to do Best Returning Show. Oh, I, uh, all right. I'm probably the worst choice to go first because um, I had a feeling that my shows would probably be the same as a lot of people's. So, um, but that's, I am that's good that you're going first then. Go ahead. No, I guess. Uh, and I will say this. Um, I don't know that I, the either of these shows were the best at all, but, you know, in, uh, for the year. But I really, I really wanted them to be really good and they were for me or, or you know what I mean? So, so it's a That's real, it's, real I it's all good. Yeah. I'll talk about, I won't talk about two, but I will mention two. Um, I really loved uh, uh, what we did in the shadows. I forgot about that show. Uh, and I wanted to pick a comedy cause I feel like none, nobody else is gonna. So um, for me, uh, second season, I was really crossing my fingers and, and, and kind of clenching to see if they were going to drop the ball or the show was going to be less funny or the concept was only good for one season uh, and it would get kind of boring and, and stale. Um, and I think they just kicked it up a notch. I think the Mark Hamill cameo and, uh, and the stunt casting for the season was amazing. Um, I think that the, because we know the characters and we're comfortable with the conceit of the show, they just went nuts with just how, I don't, whatever they did, whatever's good about the show, they ramped it up, you know, for the second season. So I wanted to give it a mention because um, if you haven't started the show, I feel like you should. Um, and so, and it only got better. So if you like the first season, then you'll, I think you'll love the second season. So I'll keep it, you know, at that because I want to mention I really it wasn't a great it was a mixed season for sure. But I I just really love Brooklyn Nine-Nine and I'm glad it's still on the air. I definitely think it's on its last legs. So that's the other reason I just wanted to quickly mention it. Uh, And also it's a comedy and we haven't really talked a lot about comedies. uh, Just Ted Lasso a lot. So those are my that's my two. All right. uh, Let's go. Allison. Oh God, this was such a hard, hard, hard uh, category to for me to do. And my my number one choice is actually, you know, this was kind of weird because technically, yes, it is a returning show. However, I only discovered it this season. Um, but it was this was its final season, and uh, the show that I'm I'm I think just blew me away completely. And and is not only what I think one of the best shows, but one of the best shows. I think that's ever been on television, and that is the dark, or rather oh, dark. Oh, it's just called dark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I and that. dark 
was amazing. And I, I have to say for those, you know, so, some people who try to get into it, the beginning is a little slow and it makes you think that, you know, oh, we're just going to have some, some sort of creepy murder mystery, you know, with pedophiles or whatever. And it's German and I has subtitles and I, uh, no, 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 go away. Um, if please stick with it because pretty early on, I would say probably by, by like the, the fourth episode at the most, it, the real story starts to kick in and you realize there is so much more to this. And, um, you know, I don't want to spoil things, but I, do, I, I think it's key to say that what we're talking about, you know, the, the show deals with time travel, it deals with, with alternate worlds, it deals with, uh, and, and it is one of the most convoluted, crazy shows. I mean, you have to make a, I've never seen You really have to make a graph. You have to make a chart. You have to make a graph. To, to figure out what's going on and who is affected by who and who is related to who and, and how things dovetail with each other. But what I love about that is that they expect their audience is smart enough to do it and yeah. is and, and it respects the, the intelligence of the audience to keep up with the storyline. And um, other than the fact that they do actually they do actually have graphs, they have family trees that they periodically yeah will will show you and that people have done screen grabs of beyond that they don't pat you on the head and and you know give you a little lollipop and say you know follow us this way they expect you to be smart enough to do it on your own and it's it is brilliant in every way the dialogue is brilliant the acting is brilliant the characters are engaging um and and just everything about it i think is it makes it one of the best things that's ever been on television Wow. And, and yes, yeah, that was that's good. You know, yeah. Just no, no, no contest, even though it was new to me. Like I said, it technically was a returning show. Um, they've been watching it for two other years in Germany. So um, yes, it was, it was brilliant. And if you have a chance to, to watch it, uh, then, then by all means. And if we're, if we're doing a, 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 a second choice for that one, I would say probably the expanse. Ah, was good, good, good call. Sentence. All right, Peter, uh, your returning shows. Oh, so um, I would like to second Yusin's thing on I've been rewatching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and it is absolutely one of my favorite comedies. And yep. while I don't think the new season is genius or anything, I just really love the show. Um, but my favorite, and I was actually surprised you guys haven't said this, unless maybe no one else watches the show, um, is Better Call Saul. Um, so I, I really loved Better Call Saul's a, I love Breaking Bad, but I didn't really jump on, I think I watched part of the first season when it started and I was like, oh, this seems good and everything. And for some reason I didn't, I didn't catch up and sort of like Allison with Dark, I basically caught all the way up with the current season of Better Call Saul this year. Uh, and I, I, I loved it. I love, um, uh, Bob Odenkirk and Rhea Seahorn. I just think they, they are both, they are both speaking of comedy. Um, I think Rhea Seahorn, she actually is, was a stand-up comic, stand-up comedian, but they're both people who have a lot of comedic chops, just like Brian Cranston did in Breaking Bad. And they just, the way they use their talents in now a dramatic setting, I think is always really compelling. One of the things I've also really loved about the show is unlike Breaking Bad, the show doesn't really seem to 
rely too much on the more big explosive things. There's an episode of Better Call Saul where I think it's basically about the plan to get like um, building plans. Like, and it's all just a con to get these building plans from this person. And it's, it's absolutely thrilling and like suspenseful. Um, I, yeah, I, I really love the show. And I also think the last thing I was going to say was, if I'm right, I think we're, he- are we heading into the last season? Yep. Last yes. season. Yep. Yep. And I think that they've been doing a really terrific job in this season, starting to bring us into the Breaking Bad world. So you starting to feel like, oh, okay, I could see where the pieces are going and everything in, in the best way possible. So I mean, yeah, I'm really surprised. You, no one has said this but me. Um, but yes, that would be my pick. I would say uh, I'm going to go next, and what I like so far, no one's really repeated anybody's list, which is way better than we did in the last category. Uh, and, and I'm going to keep that up. And it, Though I will have to say, uh, Allison, you make me rethink my list, because I was like, Dark! How come I didn't think about Dark? Oh, man, I yeah. can't believe I didn't think of that. Um, and part of it is we're at the end of the year, and I'm not remembering the spring as well. So I went with The Boys, season two, which I really liked season two. I thought they really improved on season one. They dealt with harder subjects. The characters were more complex. Uh, they did made me uncomfortable in certain points. They made me feel all, everything. It was funny. It's comedy. Um, action. Uh, just... This was the opposite of Ted Lasso, where it made me... It, it, it wasn't... No one's good, but it also it reflects the world we're living in right now in a way that I thought was fantastic. So I, I'm going to give it to the boys, even though I have to agree I should have thought of Dark, and I'm kicking myself. And Better Call Saul was great, too. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was a good show as well. So, um, but I'm going to... I'm sticking with what I wrote down. And then my honorable mention, I wrote down The Mandalorian just because it's so fresh in my mind and I really love that finale. So, And it was a better second season than first season. It was significantly yes, it was. better second season. So that's my honorable. And Tom, you get to clean it up for us. Okay, so I want to give a shout out to A Better Call Saul for honorable mention because it was a crime that Rhea Seahorn did not get an Emmy nomination. Right? Yeah. Because she wow. did... I've loved the character of Kim Wexler. I've loved her performance, but she had some standout episodes in this season. So shame on you, Emmy voters. But for my favorite returning show, ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that, but I've heard no. <laughs> it was, Mandalorian had a stronger second season than a first season. Absolutely. Uh, mainly because even though there were a lot of side quests, this year, and Libya made a very funny comment that it was kind of like a video game. Right. <laughs> we have to do these side quests and you get back to the main quest. But man, there were so many standout episodes this season. And the fact that we're getting three spinoffs of this show from the, uh, the, the recently announced uh, Book of Boba Fett series to the We Knew It Was Coming, but it still appreciated Ahsoka Tano series. And then the um, Rangers of the New Resistance, which uh, it could be interesting. It, it could looks. Be interesting. I, I, you got to convince me. Convince me that that's going to be. But good. Um, the introduction of the reintroduction of Boba Fett to the Star Wars mythos. He obviously did survive the Sarlacc pit. 
and then bringing in Bo-Katan from Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, and Ahsoka Tano also from those shows, extremely strong, but they pulled off something that the, the Biden administration should contact John Favreau for national security <laughs> consultant because they kept secret with a full-on crew that Mark Hamill was going to reprise his role as Luke Skywalker. And that moment, people were divided on that moment on the internet. I would say mostly trending positive. And, oh, it's too much fans. Star Wars fans are their own worst enemies sometimes. But for yes. some of us, it was immensely gratifying that the Jedi that young Grogu, a.k.a. Baby Yoda, summons is none other than the only main Jedi we know from that time period, and that's Luke Skywalker himself. And in one of the most touching moments of any series this year, and the fact that the only positive father-son <laughs> dynamic in the Star Wars universe is Mando <laughs> and Grogu, <laughs> they bid a tearful goodbye in, this, in the season finale. But it clears the deck for season three to go in a completely new direction. And, yeah. and they just dropped uh, Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian season two. So we can get the behind the scenes. Oh, very good. And yeah, I missed stopped. that. I missed not having behind the scenes stuff like they did in the first first year. Well, they, so did, they didn't, nice they didn't drop that till after the original series ended. So yeah. they just did. And there's a great shot of uh, George Lucas on set with... <laughs> uh, with the baby, Ahsoka Tano. Yeah, and with the baby, they let him and hold the baby. Play. Yeah, Claude, he had the baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, so those are that's it, guys. We have given our best and worst of 2020. We synced up a lot, and then we didn't. So I, I like the diversity of our list. I'm really happy about that. Uh, so I'd be interested if you guys want to send us your list. I'd be interested to hear what you guys think. If you think we're crazy, uh, if you think that we we are totally on point, I'd like to hear that too. All right, and if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to TV Campfire at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, we're on Facebook, you can listen to us on GetThePointRadio.com, Krypton Radio, Weedonopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye bye. Next year. Next year. Bye bye. Bye.